grandpa, cousin, auntie did it. Now you are doing it because it is what you've embraced. In the same light, what he's saying here with the commands of God. If you love God, you will have, you will seek out, and you will embrace his commands. Now, does that mean that I will never break them? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that if you break them, you recognize it and you do something about it. You don't sit and you don't wallow in it. So the first thing, if I really love him, I will have his commands. Let me ask you, are you having his commands? Are you embracing? Do they become your own or are they still your parents or are they the pastors or are they the churches? Well, you know, can you do this? Well, I can't really do that because my church doesn't do that. It needs to get beyond that. You need to get to the point where someone asks you, and no, 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 this, and I remember in my life, because I used to say that, I don't do that because my church doesn't do that. And then it got to the point where I would say to people, I don't do that because that displeases God. That dishonors God. He doesn't want me to do that. And I realized what began to happen is it became mine. So whether or not the church stood for it didn't matter. Because how many of us know that some churches will start off seemingly right and then veer off the path. They may start teaching some crazy stuff. Uh, leaders may start doing some things that aren't exactly right. And they may start leading you in the direction that's away from God's word. If you have his commands, it doesn't matter what these other folk does. It's now yours. And we've heard all kind of stories. Especially people in my ranks as pastors that are doing some crazy stuff. Leading people down some crazy path. And folks said, well, 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 the pastor said it was okay. I'm going to ask you, did that pastor die for you? Is that pastor coming back for you? Is that pastor the one that has set up eternity for you? The issue becomes, I don't care who says something other than the word of God. If you embrace it and it is yours, nothing will move you from it. So the issue becomes now, if I love him, I will have his commands. Then it says, I will also, I will keep his commands. So verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And let me help you out. In, in, that, in that series of verses, this is not something that is just up to you to do. Understand in this series of verses, in this text, he introduces the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and when does he introduce it? He introduces it as he talks about walking in step with the commands of God that you've embraced. Here's what he's saying. I know you got all strong willpower, and I know that you're going to commit to following God, but you need some help. You can't do this by yourself. I know you think you can, but you can. So he says, look, he says, look, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I love that. Include that in his thought. And I will ask the father. In other words, I'm praying for you. I will ask the father. And he doesn't ask frivolously. Many of you remember asking a dad or a mom. Asking them for something. And sometimes that answer is, boy, you don't even know what you're asking. That's crazy. That's frivolous. 
see, when Jesus asks the father, it's not this, well, maybe he's going to give it to me. Let me see if he does it. I'm not quite sure, but I'll ask. No, this is a request that he knows will get the response that he desires. Why? Because he's in step with the father. They're in union. As a matter of fact, what you see here is the triune God at play. Do you see it? Jesus says to them, the son says to them, the, I will ask the father and he will send another helper or what would become the advocate, the spirit. And so at that moment, what you see is Jesus saying to them, the triune God comes in to help and enable and support you when you are seeking to obey God's word. Understand that. And that is an indicator of your love. Not how you feel. Not a song that says, not how hard you sing that song. Not even how hard I preach. Not how, how much and how long you serve. All the people that you help. It's not with coming to church every Sunday. Although that's where you can hear that word so you can embrace it. He says here, the indicator of your love for God is your keeping his word. And I tell you, that's for us right now. How's that working in your life? Set it up as a standard. I know most of us like to set other people as the standard. And as I've said before, what do we usually do with settings like that? We choose the people <laughs> that are living more messed up lives than we do to compare ourselves with when it comes to living for the Lord. Well, Lord, I ain't like him. I'm not like her. And boy, I'm wondering if God is saying, yeah, but you're not like my son. Oh, yeah, I know you're not like her. She's not like me either. And so for you and I today, that question, he says, if you love me, he says, he will keep my commandments. Here's what he says. I will send another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees. And that word sees means perceive. They don't understand the working of the spirit. They, they can't even see the spirit at work. They don't perceive him nor know him. You know him for he dwells with you and he says and will be in you. And I love this because he, he actually just made a guarantee. The spirit would with them, it would come upon and enable them at moments in time because you saw that throughout the scriptures. It would come upon him. Samson would have the spirit come upon him but would leave. But now something was going to be different. Because when the spirit, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and Pentecost, when the spirit was given, the spirit would now indwell them and remain forever, would not leave. That's why I have the issue when parents says that I can have and I can lose my salvation. Bro, you are only saved by an act of God and the enabling power of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't cheat uh, doesn't treat you like the Holiday Inn. What do I mean? He checks in and he checks out. He doesn't do that. 
Now, you may grieve the spirit and you may squelch him in your life. But if you are truly a believer, the Holy Spirit is there in your life to stay. Not leaving. You can't support that. And so the issue becomes, I don't have to be afraid of him leaving. But I do need to be concerned about me not listening to him. I do need to be concerned. He's speaking to me, and, and you know the old saying, me like, la, 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 I'm not listening to you. Because many of us are doing that. God is trying to speak to us. Spirit of God is prompting us. And we're just like, I'm just ignoring you right now. And I go, it's at your own peril and to your own detriment. So the issue becomes, if I love God, I will have his commands I will keep his commands, but the only way I keep his commands is by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He says, verse 18, which I didn't leave, but I mean, didn't read, but comes into this. I will not leave you as orphans. And it's, it's interesting that he uses that word because the orphan was the most vulnerable person in their society. They had no voice. They were children, and they already didn't have a voice, and then they didn't have parents who would be their voice to speak up for them. So orphans were the most vulnerable and without help individuals in their society. And that's why you see throughout Scripture that, that, that the Lord tells them to care for the orphans. As a matter of fact, James says to care for the widows and the orphans. Why? Because they were the two most vulnerable. And the ones that were the most unprotected. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you unprotected and without someone speaking up for you. Because that is what will be needed in order for you and me to obey God's word. So then he says, he says, listen, whoever has my commands and keeps them, verse 21 it is he who loves me. Now, he says, verse 15, in another way. This is what real love for me looks like. And then, last point, when we love God, first one, if we love him, here is what it will look like. And when we love him, here is how God responds, and here is how God works in your life. So what does he say? He says, if you love him, number one, it is because you have received the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, which helps you now to live out that word reminds you. And I've been reminded many times before I've been tempted to veer off of God's word. I've been reminded many times. Now, you know, that's wrong. Now, you know, you're now you don't have to do this. Now, you know, this is or you get that quick check. Now, come on. And whether I choose to listen or not. Is whether I'm going to obey or disobey God's word. And that is our everyday life. See, when you study the word of God, that is you learning what God desires of those who say they love him. When you obey that word that you have read, you are demonstrating, God, I love you enough that this is my response. And the only way you do that is because the Spirit is enabling you to love God and to demonstrate it by how you live. When we do that, he says, look, verse 23, 
the answer to 22. Judas didn't get it yet. Says, Lord, okay, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not others? And they believe that he was really speaking in a physical sense. Like, if you manifest yourself, isn't everybody going to see it? And Jesus answers him. I love this. Because this, these next verses is, and hear that, is a response to his question. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Which means that the word that he spoke is commandment. He is speaking as God. He is speaking authoritatively. So his word is commandment. And my father will love him. And we will come into him and make our home with him. And I love it. Who's the we? Well, who was he talking about in these series of verses? He talked about himself. He talked about his father. And he talked about the spirit. In other words, you will have as your home, once again, as your home, not your hotel, as your home, he's not checking out. You will have the triune God in operation in your life, taking up residence in you, and it shows outside of you as you deal with the world. Understand this. So then why am I seeing all this mess? Well, maybe God doesn't live there. Maybe I've just got some good deeds going on. I've got some good actions, but God doesn't live at this address. See, he says, if you love me, here are some things that will be happening in your life. And it will demonstrate that I am making home, my home inside your life. You ever tell someone to be at home? And you mention, hey, make yourself at home. And they, they start to, somebody once said to me, I said, make yourself at home. They said, no, nah, man, you don't want me to do that because at home I walk around in my underwear. I was like, no, nah, I don't mean that car home, bro. <laughs> No, 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 no. Act like you at somebody else's house, but be comfortable. Jesus, exactly. Jesus is saying, we will make ourselves at home in your life. In other words, we will do what we want in your life. And you won't oppose it. And for many of us today, we are opposing the work of God in our lives. He is wanting us to change, to mature, to grow up, and we are opposing it. And, and, and you almost want to ask, I thought you wanted God to live here. I thought this was his home. And he says to you and I, boy, if you love me, here's what I will do. I will enable you to live for me. That's the spirit in your life. And then we, all of us, will come and live in your life. When you receive Christ, you get all. I love this. He said, my father will love you, because that's the ultimate. He says, my father will love you. His love will be demonstrated in your life, and we will come in and set up shop. And then he, he continues. Whoever, verse 24, does not love me, does not keep my words. He just has one phrase for that, and the next line in that, in that same verse, helps to understand the, the, the gravity behind the statement. He says, verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And, same thought, the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. You know what he just did? He says, for those of you 
who don't keep my word, you are demonstrating that you don't love me. And even in that moment, you love something more than me because you're following it. For you and I. Whenever I go against God's word, whatever it is that I am doing to go against his word, at that moment, I'm loving actually that more than God. I still may be in love with God, but at that moment, I'm, I'm loving this thing more than you, God. Because it is getting my allegiance. It is getting my attention. It is getting my obedience. And so when you say, God, just hold on for a second. I got to give her a piece of my mind. I got to tell her off, Lord. The Lord is like, yeah, because you love telling her off more than you love me. You love giving that piece of your mind more than you love me. You love responding to that person in traffic. Boy, I had to speak to myself with that. He was like, he was like, get a hold of yourself. You love responding in this way in traffic more than you love me. Because if you love me, you would check yourself. See, the issue becomes for you and I, he gives us a gauge. Gauges always tell our current status in your car, right? Gauges. The reason you have gauges in your car isn't just, I know they made it into a fashion statement now. And some are circular, some are digital and analog, some are lit. You can change the ambiance, but they're still gauges. Those are necessary parts of your vehicle so that you can tell what's happening in its current operation. You can gauge your speed. So if you get stopped and he says, do you know how fast you were going that you don't lie? Yeah. I know. I'm just not going to tell you. You ask him, you know, how fast was I going? But your gauge told you. One time I was annoyed in traffic. I let my annoyance be my God. We were, we were actually going to visit a campus and my son doesn't even attend that university. And we were driving. I was in traffic, and they were just, everyone was slow. All three, you know, um, both lanes. Left lane driver, you know, the one that drive the speed limit or slower in the left lane. Right. And so, and, and I'm right, and, and I was like, after a while, I was like, I'm just tired. I'm just annoyed. I'm just tired of this. And so I zip, and I get around, and, in a, and I speed. I was like, I'm just getting away from all these folks. And hit the crest. There he is. Hello. And honestly, I didn't know how fast I was going. I just wanted to get away from the crowd. And he came behind because I didn't see him until he came behind. And my wife was like, uh, he's pulling behind us. I was like, dang it. And he pulls behind and he says, do you know how fast you were going? I said, no, but I know I was going fast. <laughs> and then he talked. I don't remember how much he said. It wasn't like crazy ticket, but I got a ticket that day and had to pay it. The result of putting my annoyance um, before God saying, check yourself. And see, at that moment, I loved relieving myself of the annoyance than I did of God saying, watch your attitude now. And for us throughout our lives, we are constantly doing that in every area. What are you putting before God when you are living out in the world? Your thoughts, your culture, your way of life, your politics, your, you put whatever you want in. Is it coming above God? Are you responding out of yourself or are you responding out of the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in response to his word? 
And I know that sounds like I got to do that every time. It just comes naturally after a while because that's your that's how you work. That's how you operate. So he says, I will come into you. And then he says, huh, he will you, you'll be loved by God. He will abide. He will enable. And then I want to turn lastly just to 15. I just want to read this so you can understand my very last point under that. When he is talking about abiding. Chapter 15, verse 11. Actually, let me back up. To verse 10. He says again, because he's still talking, same context, talking with his disciples before. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And that by means to stay and remain, just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. In other words, how you've seen me live is a model and an example for you on how to love the father. And so then he says, these things have I spoken to you. What these things? Everything he had said after he had washed their feet. Remember, chapter 13, after he washed their feet, then he takes them. After he's got their attention, because all of them now will be like, you know, they're all about who's greatest. And he gets and he washed their feet. He goes, I'm the greatest, but look what I'm doing. He gets their attention and he teaches them. And at the end, he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So when we love God, we are loved by the Father. The triune God abides with us and in us. He enables us to live for them, and then he makes our joy complete. Why? Because he says, these things I'm giving you so that my joy may be the joy that you seek, that's in you, that rests in you. The joy of Christ. What joy? How you've seen me live. The joy that you've seen me had as I've walked through life these over three years with you. And that joy is that settled state of well-being. We're not talking about happy and sad and happy and sad. No, they had seen Christ live day in and day out. And there was a sense of joy, a sense of contentment about him, regardless of what was happening in his life. There was this contentment. Because he knew who he was in his relationship with the Father. And so now he says that my joy that you've seen me have will be in you. And then he says, and your joy, because you have my joy, will be full. You're not looking for joy anywhere else. Oh, there are things that will make you happy. Come on, you go on a nice vacation, it'll make you happy. You buy that new car, it'll make you happy. You get that house, it'll make you happy. You find that special someone, it will really make you happy. He don't give you all that. He says, but you want joy? You want that settled state of well-being? Regardless of externals? He says, take my joy, and yours will be full. And so the issue becomes, do you really love him? Or are those just statements that you can't qualify? If you really love him, you will have his commands and you will keep his commands. When you really love him, you'll be loved by the Father. The triune God will abide in you. He will enable you and your joy will be full. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that 
you've made it possible that we could be with you. Father, that our joy can be full. Father, that we can actually love you. Thank you, Lord, for the work of Jesus Christ. Father, where he came and was born of a virgin, where he lived on earth, fully human and fully God. Father, where he died a real human death, was buried, and was resurrected to new life. Father, so that we now, O oh Lord, could have his commands, embrace them as our own. We could keep those commands by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And then, God, we would have complete joy as we do it. I thank you for that, Father. But, Father, I know for many of us, Lord, that's not our experience every day. And I pray that it would be. Lord, that we would experience the joy of the Lord, the state of settled well-being, because you bring it, because it's your joy, because you reside in us. I pray that that would be important to us, critical to us, and that in doing so, Lord, we will display who you are as we live out who you are in us. Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that indeed they would. And Lord, by coming to know you, they would experience life. And as you said, Jesus, life more abundantly. Father, we commit ourselves to you this morning. And we pray that you would help us to reflect on your word, on your commands. As we go throughout our week, we ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, before I turn it back over to our host, I'm going to ask that you spend some time. If you know the Lord, what do I mean by that? If you have, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you realize that you are a sinner, you have confessed those sins, realizing that Jesus Christ is the only um, um, remedy for the sin problem, and you've received him, you are a believer, and you've embraced him, and now you are wanting to walk with him, Reflect on how you are living. If I am really walking by the commandments of God, don't let people fool you and tell you I'm okay. All I just need to do is love God. But I don't do anything. And I ask you, are you really loving him? And if you're not, reflect this week. Pray to the Lord. Talk to him. Let him help you. But let me ask, if you are not, you've never made that decision. You can today. I'm going to ask you, can you talk to one of us, myself, Minister Wright, any of our leaders or anyone that's actually here that you know, that you came with? If you're watching, give us a call and information that's on the screen. Write us. We would love to talk with you about what it means to have a life in Christ. And by doing so, let me help you. Jesus promised your joy will be filled. We are looking for joy. We were wired, just like we were wired for worship, Minister Rice said earlier, we were also wired for joy. We were meant to seek joy. But when we seek it outside of Christ, you never find it. Oh, you find moments and pockets of happiness, but there's never a settled joy in your life. 
And I would just say to us, you can have that, all of us. And so this week, reflect on what God is saying to you. And can I ask you to respond in obedience? Amen. Come on, beloved. Amen. And thank you, Pastor, for that uh, convicting and encouraging word at the same time. Uh, just a few uh, words before we leave here. Keep in mind that Vacation Bible School, Vacation Bible Camp is coming up here in July. Uh, so you want to make sure you've marked your calendars either to participate and or to volunteer and to help out with that. As Pastor mentioned as well, July 11th, we will have an outdoor service and then July 18th. We will have the outdoor service and the church picnic. So you want to make sure that you sign up out there so that we have a good count and an idea of, of the folks that need to be there so that the food truck can be um, making preparations and um, um, providing enough for those who will be in attendance. And then lastly, um, as indicated uh, on the, um, the live stream and just as a reminder, you can give online or you can drop off your tithe and offering in the slot as you are leaving from the sanctuary. Uh, were you blessed by that word? Amen. 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 Uh, I know I was blessed, and it, it does not matter where you are in your Christian journey. That word is applicable. Everybody, right, is struggling with having and keeping God's commands in some area of their lives. And we just need to be reminded, right, that it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to move in that direction. And so we yield to him. Thank you, Pastor. I just thank you for that. Now, let's bow our heads as we prepare to be um, dismissed. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this word. We thank you just for this entire worship service. I pray, God, that something today was said uh, that would chase us through this week that would stay on our hearts and our minds when we go to sleep and we wake up that did not leave us alone until we yield to it until we repent of it until we acknowledge it until we accept it God not so that we can just be shamed and guilted but as pastor said so that our joy may be complete because you have come to give us life and to give it more abundantly all of these things that we're chasing are just wisp in the wind. They will burn away in the fire, but only that which we do for Christ shall remain. So God, endeavor us this week to live for you, to not show our love through actions, but to show our love through our obedience to your word and in submission to the Holy Spirit. Now, God, keep us safe even as we depart from here, never from your presence. Uh, continue to watch over us and just allow us to be the light in this world that it so desperately needs to see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.